Okay, and we're live on the Blam Partners Inner Circle. Welcome today's guest, Mr. Sean Miller from Brighton. Hey, Sean, how are you doing? I'm, I'm great. Thank you, Grant. Thank you for having me. Brilliant. Absolute pleasure, mate. Absolute pleasure. Now, Sean and I go back a bloody long way. <laughs> it has to be said. It's probably longer than we care to admit. We were having this chat. We had a bit of a catch-up last week, didn't we? Yeah. How long is it? When did we first start working together, mate? Can you remember? Well, you weren't a dad. when It we was first... before I had kids and I've yeah. got a 19-year-old. <laughs> I think it was 2001 we first met. Where? Do you know what? That's probably right. That is the year I set up my first business. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Um, that was it, Dan. <laughs> I've now got Blam. Used to be Dan. <laughs> and that was my first digital marketing agency um digital advertising and marketing damn stood for and i was um lucky enough to start working with sean back when you worked for halfords mm. yeah so what was your role at halfords i was a people development consultant so what that means in english is that i would work with clients and translate their learning needs into solutions and it was the first opportunity that i had in really getting involved in od organizational development communicating and engaging strategy so the work that i did with you was actually like my first step into that world which is now the world that you are heavily involved in yeah. And the project that we worked on, I think it would be fair to say, was pretty life changing for me. And, and that's why it's a real pleasure to, to sort of, you know, have this chat, because it was the first time you in fact, you were the first person to introduce me to um, a more sort of robust idea of core values. Yeah. Um, and we worked on the core values for Halfords. Mm. And from my part of it. I did a lot of the sort of uh, the design and, and artwork and, and marketing. Mm. Um, and I remember this, guys, because it was my first business. I'd just set up on my own. I'd handed in my notice to, to my previous business, and Halfords was my first client. Mm. Um, but I worked with the marketing department normally. And when we got introduced, it was the first time that it, it's kind of internal branding that we worked on. So the client, instead of being the people that go to Halfords and buy their, you know, their oil and get the car serviced and whatnot, um, and I still use Halfords for that, actually. Used them yesterday. <laughs> I'm still a brand advocate for Halfords. <laughs> still got a soft spot for them. Um, what Sean um, was doing was actually trying to ins inspire and excite, mm -hmm. which was one of the core values. I'll never forget it. Um, the the a target audience that was the staff because at the time Halfords had what was it four hundred stores, um, four hundred stores, nine thousand staff. Yeah, and that and so it was your job to get them excited about working yeah. for Halfords. Yeah, um, and that's where I got introduced to core values. Now a lot of you or all of you bland partners will know that core values is something that I'm a huge advocate. One of the first things I do, Sean, when anybody joins Blam. The first thing I'd take them on is a core values course. I get them to do their own core values. <laughs> so 
So inadvertently, you've influenced all these people's lives, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so that that was brilliant, and um, and we then went on uh, to do further work when when Sean actually went to work for Gap Gap Clothing. Mm-hmm. We did other similar projects for Gap, and that was I loved working at Gap as well. We were at their national distribution centre in Northampton, I think it was, was it? It was in rugby. Rugby. There we go. Um, and again, it was about inspiring their staff. And I, be- I remember that that job specifically, uh, Sean, because it was way back before these days. If you go into sort of, you know, you see the, the adverts about, you know, Google offices and Facebook offices and how, how really cool they are. But back then, that, that wasn't really a thing, was it? But what you did was you took their their sort of common room, if you like, their their staff room and turned it into this playground. <laughs> <laughs> Where people could have fun. And it was awesome. It was awesome. And we did all the graphics and the internal branding. And the, the, the I thought I really loved that branding. And it was completely different to the consumer-facing, you know, Gap branding. It was a brand specifically for the staff, wasn't it? And I remember as well, um, you actually helped me engage the in my next job, which was with Ascend. And I don't know if you can remember this. I do remember that one, yeah, yeah. You actually helped you you visualize the work that we've done and the process on creating the values at Ascendant. And I had a very, you know, traditional hard-nosed CEO and the work that you create to bring it to life really helped us land the values in that organization as well. So that only occurred, I was thinking about it after we spoke last week. Mm. So I think the way that you've been involved in helping me educate and support values has taken on many different you know, forms and different places. Mm. But it's interesting because we haven't worked together for a while. In fact, since I've been running Blam, you know, we haven't we've kept in touch a bit on Facebook, but not not really not really done any work because now, um, as you have now actually made the transition, I've been working with with smaller businesses. That's been my you know for probably the last 10, 10 years. Um, small businesses, small business owners, entrepreneurs is the focus, and all the Blam partners watching this, um, that's that's the majority of their focus. Um, and you have now taken the plunge yourself. Yeah, definitely. Scary <laughs> and exciting at the same time. Yeah. So you've been in the corporate world for how many years? <clears throat> well, I, I got into learning and development in 1997. Right. So, what, 23, 24, almost 25 years. Wow. And so, and, and just, I've not asked you this before, throughout that period, did you ever have the itch to do your own thing? Yes, but I never felt ready until now. Right. As part of me, I wanted to learn everything I could from the corporate world. And I wanted to be in roles where I could work globally, where I could understand different cultures, where I could get exposed to different elements of the talent offering and now that I've done that I've found that there's there's been in in my corporate life there's been a bit of repetition in the respect that what I'm being asked to do yes the context is is different 
but the content's actually pretty similar. So I, I've got to a point where I feel comfortable that I've learned what I need to learn from the corporate world. And very simply, you know, I'm, I know we're not supposed to say this, but I'm 50 now. Um, <laughs> you can say that, mate. I'm not, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Next year. <laughs> I want to spend the rest of my working life doing what I enjoy. And that that's really, I mean, and that, you know, without plugging my business is what my business is about as well. It's helping people shine, you know, bringing out the best in people. And that's what I want to do for other people. And I want to do it for myself as well. And what, what do you think made you come to that conclusion now? Is there anything specific? I mean, I just, what I'm getting at is, Lockdown, I think, got a lot of people to do some proper, yeah. you know, navel gazing. <laughs> well, my catalyst, in the total interest of transparency, that the organisation I worked for was restructured, and my my permanent role was eliminated as part of that um, restructure. Um, and I always thought, well, you know, I've got maybe one corporate role left in me, and I'm a firm believer in the power of the universe and the universe tells you stuff and i was quite lucky i was in a financial position where you know i didn't have to get a job straight away i could you know i could pay my mortgage so i thought hmm the stars are aligning so that was the catalyst i i was i got a bit of a push and yeah. i really I'm really thankful for that push. That's brilliant. That is because that that's, that so often happens. And you know, I ask these kind of questions, Sean, because a lot of people that end up watching these chats, they yeah. might be thinking of starting their own business themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and what we found is throughout lockdown, we had a lot of partners that were in full time work, running, doing their normal business, whatever their business was or their their job, that that was that had bought a bland partnership. So effectively, they would have their own business and they would be able to sell websites and apps, social media, et cetera. But they hadn't taken the plunge. But when we went through the lockdown, we had loads of them that actually got rid of their main job and went full-time on their business and never regretted it, never regretted it. When really a lot of these people, they could have done it, you know, a, lot, a while ago. And But we do all need a little push sometimes, yeah. don't we? And I think working in the corporate world, I know – you know, I can only speak for myself, but I'd imagine this is um, a lot of people's view. There's a, a view of stability in having a corporate job. That is just a myth. That doesn't happen yeah. <laughs> anymore. You know, it's been a long time since, you know, you could join an organisation when you were as an apprentice and then work with the same organisation until retirement. So, whether you're working within an, a corporate organisation or for yourself, we're all freelancers. We, we are really, aren't we? We're all disposable. <laughs> so you are master of your own shit now. So, um, and we had a bit of a catch up about this last week because you reached out to really me. Really <laughs> I know, it was great catching up with you, mate. And because you're now um, sort of, uh, you're, you're, you're manning your own shit, we had, we had a little catch up and a little chat. Mm -hmm. Um do you want to just tell everybody a bit about your business, um, what it's called and and what you actually, what service you provide? But can I just 
go back a little bit because mm. I want to weave in what you helped me with last week because the last seven days have been actually quite transformative. So my business is called Brighton and it's about um, helping people shine. And I guess my thinking when I joined the business was I, I want to do what I love doing. And my skill set is quite broad because you know I've I've lived and worked in the corporate world for 20 odd years. So I can turn my hand to pretty much anything within the talent space, whether that's creating strategy, organizational values, putting together management development programs, doing sales training and blah, 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 blah. I can turn my hand to almost anything in that space. But what your the conversation with you helped me do was I need to focus, <laughs> you know, um, in fact, your words were, it's a bit wishy-washy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do have to apologise for my directness sometimes. No, it's fine. It's fine. I like a bit of directness. Um, and what that has enabled me to do is really, yes, I've got all these interests, but really focus on, you know, A, what do I love doing? But B, what would... What am I world class in? And whilst I can turn my hand to many things, that the 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 thing that I am famous for in organizations is my ability to help people present themselves. So in my conversations with clients, I've really focused the conversation around presentation and literally having been a you know, a bit in the wilderness for the last couple of months. And, you know, I've had a good time. I've focused on health and education. Like this week, I really kicked myself up the bum, you know, and I've landed a contract. And I've got three prospects, which I'm hoping, well, one I hear on from today, so fingers crossed on that one. And the other two I hear on by the end of the week. And all I've done is focus. Brilliant. That's brilliant. And the chat we had last week, um, we talked about uh, your sort of USP, you know, mm. what makes you different. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because I'm fascinated um, <laughs> by the way that you, and just so everybody knows, you know, one of Sean's um, sort of skills uh, is that you've, you've been in um, performance theatre. Would that be the I right was an term? Actor, an actor. Many an actor years. he's been an actor so he was an actor before he went into the corporate world um and that skill um acting performing means that he's excellent at coaching people to present um and right from the top sort of ceos management people down to you know the the the, the staff um do you want to sort of talk a little bit about that because i'm yeah. fascinated by your process well Thank you for that endorsement. That's, that's really nice of you. The other thing that I would just add into that, and it, it really um, connects with my experience as an actor, is that I have a deep interest in psychology. In, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm practising transactional analysis, which I won't go into at the moment because I could talk about it forever. So I think those three elements, my acting past, the, the, my experience of working within business and my understanding of psychology 
mm. is a really great fusion to help present because the acting experience helps me think about the delivery elements yeah voice appearance confidence energy eyes you know vocal animation and all of this stuff the business piece helps me understand context it enables me to have a, con a conversation with a stakeholder and get into their world but the psychology piece really helps me understand how to deliver a message and how to adapt my message according to the psychological profile of the person that I'm talking to. And you don't have to be a psychologist to get that. And maybe later there are three really easy ways of actually connecting with a person to firstly, A, build rapport, and secondly, create what we call in psychology, a T moment. It stands for a transformation moment and a harm moment. And that is the point where you can present a product. We're gonna to have to find out more about that. You realize that. Don't you? <laughs> so going back to, to acting, you know, I think where really, um, yes, it, it gives you performance skills and um, those are invaluable. But there's two things I take away from um, my experience as a performer. The first is discipline. Mm. You know, next to, I think, can I say this? Next to next to prostitution, it's probably the, the oldest profession <laughs> that exists. You know, and, and working in the theatre is very command and control. You do what the director tells you to do. You know, there's no consensus. Yes, there's a creative process, but there's a there's a there's a discipline there. But also as an actor, you're trying to imagine what another person's life is like. So if you're playing Hamlet, mm -hmm. you know, you've never been a prince of Denmark, or very few of us have been. <laughs> so the process of trying to imagine and create a character builds things like empathy understanding so acting is quite psychologically rooted mm -hmm. in it, in its practice because you're trying to understand and then portray another human being that, that's fascinating that is because you you use that metaphor for when you are teaching people how to present yeah. as if it's a performance in the yeah. theater yeah um, and you told me something last week that really resonated with me um especially especially because i'm quite blunt so i tend to upset people when i'm giving them advice and <laughs> luckily you, you took it well <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but but yeah, that, that whole thing about the direct when you when you're acting, when a director gives you direction or, or you know criticism or advice or whatever it might be, because it's a performance, um, you know you take that on board and it's expected. Yeah. Whereas if we're in a sort of a, a business scenario where we're learning a presentation, it's much easier to take offence to criticism and take it personally. But you you kind of 
use the, the theatre metaphor as a way of... Yeah. I mean, it's interesting in theatre. I mean, theatre, we don't call it feedback. We call it notes. Mm. And if you didn't have notes or feedback from a director, you'd think they were a really rubbish director. Mm. And I think what makes it work in the theatre is that the notes or feedback, they have two qualities. A, you get a lot of it. Right. You know, every rehearsal you sit down and the director will talk to you about your performance. It's also very specific. Right. So you don't get feedback like, hey, Grant, that was awesome. Hmm. Which might make you feel good. It's a a positive stroke, but it tells you nothing really. Mm. I mean, I can remember a piece of feedback that I had that was so specific. I was playing um, on stage. I had to die. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was playing a very you know very harrowing scene, and I was on my deathbed, and you know had to portray a, a character dying. And the feedback I got was, Sean, we we love the emotional intensity you're bringing to the character, but you're, dic you're losing your diction and we can't hear what you're saying. So you need to enunciate the words in addition to portraying the emotion. So it's not wishy-washy, mm. it's very specific. And the other thing I think that you can do in theatre, which is hard to do in business, although I incorporate into, it into my presentation training, it's stop, try it again, right? Do it again, but you know, play it this way. So the feedback isn't like always at the end of the day or the end of the rehearsal process, it's in the moment. And I think one of the things that enables performers to operate in that world is passion. You, you want to be the best. Mm. Even if you're the hundredth spear carrier to the left, <laughs> you want that job. So, yeah, I think the combination of its frequency, its specific, and its real time makes it really powerful. And so if you're training somebody to do a presentation, and just to put this into context with, um, with our guys, all of our partners will have to do a presentation mm -hmm. um, what we teach them to do is uh, first of all there's a presentation which is an audit which is a sort of question answer style and then they go into presentation where they'll present a website yeah and it's 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 very um the, the process is pretty much nailed down but i was explaining to a partner the other day um you know my advice is is to record your presentation mm -hmm. so you can listen back to it because and I'm sure you're, you, you, you teach this, that there can be real subtleties. Mm. Some of the things that you can say where you may be reading the script verbatim like it is when you're in the theatre, but the context and the delivery can blow the deal. Yeah, absolutely. So things like, you know, tonality, you know, facial expressions, timing, uh, you know, the the the, um, the way that you your enthusiasm for it, yeah. um, listening for presentations, feedback, you know, um, there's so many things. 
Um, is yeah. that something you get your your guys do? Do, do you record it? Absolutely. The, the best way to learn is to see yourself, to see yourself and to hear yourself. So, you know, I didn't notice. I had I when I presented, I had what's called classically Velcro arms. Okay. <laughs> was this part of my arm was yeah. always so my gestures were coming from here. It's really common. Right. You know, and something about just taking hold of the space. Yeah, just yeah. make visually you you look completely different. So absolutely. I always talk about presentations being it's a bit like swimming. You know, you can't learn it from a book. You've got to get in the pool, get wet, mm. have a go and get some feedback. And absolutely, I mean, linking back to acting, the methodology that I use is rehearsal. We can go through the theory really quickly. And then we just keep practicing and practicing and practicing, seeing yourself, hearing yourself. Yes, there are tips, mm. there are tips that we can incorporate. Um, but then it's about practicing and seeing yourself. So whenever I do presentation training, it's not a, it's not theory, it's an experience. So people come into the session. My job is to make sure that when they leave the classroom, they're better. And not just in confidence, they're better in terms of how they deliver, whether that is their use of voice, whether it's their use of eyes, whether it's their materials that they're presenting but that's my job so i i don't do presentation skills to deliver a lot of theory so people can have a nice think about it you know i i want to make people better just as when you do a rehearsal you know you're not there to think about it you're there to work and, and try and improve so we've got i've got a question from neil and uh, it's a really great question neil because this this refers back to the you said there's three parts to it the psychology bit so yeah. do you do you think the presentation style should be flexible based on who you are presenting to? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So I think the first thing is like, what am I trying to do? Mm. Presentations for me are about impact. Am I trying to sell something? Am I trying to engage people with something? Am I trying to get people to buy into an idea? Am I trying to deliver bad news? Am I trying to educate what? is the impact that I'm trying to make. And unless you, unless, you, unless you know that, your audience aren't going to know it. So the first thing to think about is like, what impact am I trying to make? Mm. Now, I'd imagine that most people on the call today, you know, the impact that they want is to sell a product. Mm -hmm. you know, and whether that's, well, I want to get people excited or engaged. And then that has to really come through, not in only what you visually present but also you in terms of your energy mm. so mm. i mean if i'm trying to get you excited there has to be something excited in me mm. if i was trying to educate you and deliver quite a difficult message i might change my energy to be more um, sporadic more focused and more controlled so again you need to match the energy according mm. to the impact that you want mm. to make and that, and i think that you know to 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 sort of emphasize that guys in terms of neil's question in, in relation to our presentation 
Um, I always use the analogy, not always the case, but quite often, if you're, if you're dealing with somebody who might be an engineer or uh, an accountant, somebody who's a lot more sort of analytical, yeah. typically you will slow things down and go into more detail. But the main thing about, you know, the presentation style and being flexible that, that I would say is that at the beginning of the presentation, we do the audit, which is a lot of questions where you're going to get the measure of the kind of person that you're dealing with. As well, Sean said about bonding, bonding and rapport, which happens right at the beginning. Mm. The purpose, One of the purposes of that is to find out who, who it is you're dealing with, what kind of person are they, because you will change your presentation to reflect their personality positively. Yeah. Um, for example, Sean, one of the examples I always use is in websites, and this is a generic thing that, that is pretty much the world over, you're either going to get somebody who loves the idea of being able to update the website themselves and the back end, or you've got, or it's somebody who thinks that's the worst thing ever. Yeah. Finding that out at the beginning of the presentation is going to change your presentation. Yeah. Because you will want to emphasize, we can do both with Blam, obviously, either one is fine, but we would emphasize the one that appeals to them most. Yeah. Um, and that's the purpose of asking questions at the beginning um, so that you can present in a way that is appropriate to your audience. You know, and, and what I love about Sean's methodology is this is a performance, guys. Mm. When we are selling, you're, you, you're acting, you're on show. It's a performance that needs to be rehearsed. You know, you, you're going to be your best self when you deliver that performance because you've worked on it, you've honed it. You've watched yourself do it over and over again. It's yeah. really important, guys, that, that you own that performance and that you know it so well that you can adapt it to your audience. Yeah. I think building on that, Grant, and this is where the, the psychological piece comes in, I'm going to use some kind of psychological jargon now and I will explain I'll explain mm -hmm. them it's getting a sense of the cognitive modality that your audience is using and what i love about cognitive modalities there are just three of them and it doesn't matter what our job job is and what our audience are there are three modalities and that okay. is we can think we can feel and we can do okay that's the three ways in which we process information thinking feeling, doing. Right. You all have, it's called an individual front door, target door, and trap door. My particular sequence is my front door is feeling. Right. My target door is thinking. And my trap door is doing. So we have most of our defenses around our trap door. So right. if you were to ask me, hey, Sean, what are you going to do? I'll go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you're, you're engaging my trap door. Right. And I have the most defenses mm. around my trap door. Now, for some people, it might be feeling. For some right. people, it might be thinking. If you ask someone a question and you can see them physically start to clam up, 
think about the type of question that you've asked them. Is it thinking question, feeling question, or doing question? Because if they're closing up, you've probably hit their trap door. So for me, if you want to engage me, questions to build rapport are, Sean, how, how do you feel about that? What, what, what are you feeling at the moment is to appeal to my feeling system, because that is my open door. However, my target door is thinking. That's the area that I can personally make transformation and change in. So if you were trying to excite me with a product, mm. you build rapport with me through feeling. Yeah. And when the moment is right, start positioning your product, then you would switch to thinking because my target door is thinking. Now, people who are experts in psychology can just look at you and they can they can figure that out i'm still building my understanding i'm only part qualified in the field but you basically it's a, it's a process of hit and miss so if you ask the wrong question and someone clams up you try a different modality mm. and eventually there's only three of them thinking yeah. and doing so this this is going to be really helpful when it comes to the close if you're in a sales presentation yeah. Because you'll want to close them on the target door. Brilliant. Yeah. You, um, you build rapport on the open door. Yeah. Yeah. And then you present the client, you close the deal yeah. effectively with the target. The target door is the is where the person is most transform, transformational in their thinking. Yeah. yeah. And that transformation is something we talk about a lot, you know, because we sell transformation. That's our that's our goal. You know, yeah. to, so, to show, show you where you are now, show you where you are going to be. The transformation is the bit that we're selling. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's that's the, so that, that's fascinating. That is. And a lot, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of sales psychology. I love sales psychology. I love help, you know, trying to dig under the bonnet and understanding, you know, what makes people make decisions, makes them tick. And this, a lot, I like that three because it simplifies it. The one I was taught was the disc profiling, which yeah. is four, and it's you know it, it's pretty intense trying yeah. to figure it out. Um, but that that three, I like that because potentially you, you could you can use your bonding and rapport if you use that tactically. You could get a good good idea of what yeah. door is going to press their button. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and if you're asking a, a lot of doing type questions, what do you want to do in a person's then just change the modality? You know, yeah. what do you think about that? Or what what would you know, how would you feel if that appeals to fit? You know, we can feel, think, and do and we can do all three, mm. but all of us have a slightly different front mm. door in terms of what is our primary processing modality. Mm. I mean, if you want to learn more about that, just it's it's where I'm citing is called the Ware sequence, which is W A R E. It's it's named after the person who originated it. So Brilliant. have a mooch on Google. I'll have a nose at that. Find out more um, about I need to make a note of that Ware sequence. Yeah. Awesome. W A R E. So just to sort of um, wrap things up, I want to know. I'd love to know the process you went through that got you your deal. Because yeah. this time last week, we were 
Wishy washy. <laughs> well, the thing that got me the deal is, is I would say it's two things. It's A, my network. So the deal came, it, it didn't come directly from my network, but someone in my network recommended me to this person. Referral. Yeah, a referral. Yes. And I was quite lucky they actually spelled out what they want, which I know is quite, sometimes you, you meet customers and they're like, well, you know, we don't know what we want, but we're hoping you can help us figure it out. <laughs> and then what I simply did was I made sure that in my response, I tailored my response to what they wanted. So even my LinkedIn profile, which they had, there were relevant bits of feedback from clients I've had, which I just, I just put it all in a document and said, oh, by the way, you know, I know that you want to do X. Here's some feedback from an actual client where I've done this before. You know, I, I wordsmithed it so it sounded beautiful. Yeah. So I was looking for the experience they wanted. So they wanted a, I'd never heard of this acronym before, but I'm going to show myself up now for not knowing it. But it's a FANG. They wanted to um, work with a person who had FANG experience. Really? <laughs> I had to go and look it up on the internet, but it basically means have you worked for one of the big, um, you know, tech firms like Google, LinkedIn, Microsoft. Oh, really? Yeah, it stands for actual something, something, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I haven't worked for Amazon, Google, or but in my last organization, the, our biggest client was Google. I've worked with Microsoft and used that. So, again, I just, you said, right, I just, I said, what, this is what I have done. No, I know you're looking for a person with experience. Google happened to be my last corporate company's biggest client and blah, blah, blah. So I just, I made sure that I knew what they were looking for. And then I focused my experience to that. And it was enough to get me the deal. So did you use any sort of particular tactics? Was it all a bit of a corporate thing where um, you kind of had to go jump through a few hoops to... It was it was corporate, and I think what I think what really did help was the fact that it was through my network. So you know, my personal recommendation in terms of the person who knew me, who experienced me, it was actually my um, it's a person I mentor. It was my mentee. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, she referred to me, and she's worked with me. She I used to manage her, and that's really um, you know. It's really paid dividends. But the piece of work that I'm tendering for, which I'm hoping to hear um, for by the end of this week, is to do, you know, it's, it's to help them, it's to help an organization with present presentation capability, but particularly doing presentations online. And I really used um, in my proposal that, you know, I, I was starting thinking about, well, what can I offer that is different? What differentiates me from the crowd? Mm. And started, well, you know, I was an actor, I've worked in business, I'm training in psychology. So I, I, I you know, I, I worked that into my proposal. Mm. And and hopefully, you know, fingers, I mean, I know I've been shortlisted. So um, we will see what happens. That's awesome. That's brilliant. I, I, it's been a pleasure talking to you again, Sean. And um, I'm really delighted that you've taken the plunge and that you are, Going it alone, I'm sure that you will not look back. You will not look back. Now you've got the ball rolling. Yeah. Um, just a quick shout out to everybody. Where can people get hold of you? And um, 
Well, what I'll do, so my web, my company's called Brighton, so you can look for me on Google. Um, I, if I put it in the Facebook um, community page. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, don't, don't worry, I'm, I'm doing it now. So oh, uh, thank yeah, you. I'm sharing all your links for you. Oh, uh, just just a little commentary on that. That was lit, literally just blew my head. <laughs> the, 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 the door analogy has just been it's just good been really really good so um yeah definitely worth thinking about when you're talking to people really really good uh just a quick shout out to the people that were on the session today so thank you so much for joining us here um we've had um obviously neil mclaren with his question we've had suzanne here we've had um let me just have a quick look. Cedress uh, is Tuto. Javinder's here. Good to see you, Jave. Um, Jamie, Jamie Hill, yeah. way back. So um, yeah, lots of yeah. Gurdev, um, we've had we've had about um, fifteen people join us on the live event. Uh, we'll be dropping in those links as well in the chat. This video will be available for replay. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, because we're going to be sharing this on the podcast as well, uh, or you're seeing this again, uh, be sure to reach out to, to Sean. Um, so I've dropped the website link in there. I've dropped your LinkedIn link in there. Um, so much appreciated, Sean. Really, really awesome. Thank you. And thanks awesome. for the opportunity. It's really appreciated. Definitely. And we need to get our hands out to do to fill the screen. We've got to fill the screen. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant thanks for watching and listening guys and we'll see you next week on bland partners in a circle sean miller thanks very much mate thank, thank you, you.